with Air Cargo World. My name is Kathy Morrow-Robertson, and I do a weekly column for Air Cargo World. Um, so today, we are lucky to have Audrey Ross, a international trade expert with us. So, Audrey, I am, um, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, first of all, though, I want to thank you for joining us. It's fantastic. A uh, longtime fan of yours on social. I think we've known each other for a, a few years on social. Um, Audrey has fantastic tweets, and she's very active on LinkedIn, too. So everyone be sure to follow her. Uh, but let's kick it off by letting you introduce yourself, please. Right. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. I'm excited to join the Air Cargo World podcast and, of course, get to sort of interact with you because, yeah, we have been following each other um, on social. And uh, so, yeah, so it's exciting to be here. Uh, my name is Audrey Ross. I am a logistics and customs specialist with Orchard Custom Beauty. So I'm the in-house uh, sort of trade specialist who handles uh, customs and shipping, logistics, transportation, booking air cargo, um, you know, looking at courier contracts and managing all of that. Orchard is an award-winning business-to-business company that does um, it's private labeling, and we specialize in cosmetics, beauty tools, and bath accessories. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, my God. So you handle it from end to end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh end to end in about 16 different countries. So. <laughs> Goodness. So you are definitely our, our trade expert uh, today. So yay. There's a lot going on in the whole international trade space. And I, yeah, think, I wouldn't um, say it's quiet. No, <laughs> no, not not in the least. Uh, if anything, uh, it's been going on for what, over a year now that we've seen like this inventory restocking? Yeah. 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 I, I think once we came through once we sort of realized the extent of the pandemic, I, I sort of had experienced it as a wave where it sort of started in China um, in sort of that January, February. And it was sort of, you know, there was so much uncertainty. We didn't really know what was happening. And it seemed to be a wave. So it moved through China just around Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year. Um, so China, kind of Southeast Asia, moved through Asia, moved into Europe. Then it kind of came around to North America and South America. And, um, and ever since there's been, it's been a bit of a rough, um, rough road getting back, back on track. And, and of course, you know, we really started to see the impact, um, for air, especially with the, you know, all these passenger flights shut down, Mm -hmm. all of these borders start closing. So the availability of planes and cargo and space just wasn't there. And now for the first couple of months, that was fine because there were so many closures and shutdowns. We weren't really moving goods and we were just scrambling to see, are we going to run production or is the customer canceling the order? Um, And then as we sort of moved that summer 2020, things started to to get a little bit back to, you know, hey, we got to get the supply chain rolling and not have, you know, empty shelves. Um, And we saw that a lot of airline companies, um, if they were doing um, you know, passenger flights, they switched their planes. Some of them even, um, you know, sort of reorganized their planes to take cargo. Yeah. Um, so we really saw a big kind of, you know, the, that word from, you know, big word from 2020 pivot. Uh, <laughs> so even airlines were all pivoting to from passenger to air cargo, just to make sure they could keep something in the air and keep something moving. So, so that's yeah. been interesting, but it's the whole year into 2021 as well has been, we're still under a lot of restrictions. Um, 
I've just seen a couple of outbreaks again. We're, we're sort of seeing this resurgence of outbreaks and closures, um, and each country is sort of dealing with that in in their own way. But you know, most of us are getting our goods from China, and China's doing as soon as they have a case, they lock it down. So we've got a case at Ningbo Port, which is sort of ocean mm-hmm. transport, but we've also got cases at some of the airports too now. So we're seeing delays um, right as we head into September peak season. Um, we're seeing delays at airports. So that's a little bit that's happening with uh, with air cargo and, and that sort of road from <laughs> pandemic beginning into what we're dealing with now. So. That's crazy. And the rates. The I rates. know we were talking before I hit that magic record button. Ocean freight rates. Ocean freight, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just am getting notices. I just got a notice this morning on Ocean that they think it'll d- do another 5,000 per container, which um, if the audience doesn't know yet, it's already around 24. I've seen 24 to 29,000. Um, it doesn't need some of the premium charges, right? You have to sometimes pay a premium to make sure your container gets pushed onto that boat. Um, and that doesn't include some of the peak season surcharges on top. Like that's the flat container rate. And then there's charges on top of that. Um, the other thing I saw this morning for our, our air friends is that because of these sort of shutdowns, there's already enough volume. So of course, air carriers are very busy. And if the situation kind of continues where there's still that lack of capacity, they're thinking the estimation is that by September, which is, you know, kind of that front of peak season, we'll be back up to $20 a kilogram, which is a rate we haven't seen since May 2020. We saw it in May 2020 when it's sort of the pandemic really kind of got started and we lost all those planes. And then it kind of shuffled back down. And it was, you know, even through last year, it was back to sort of average rates, you know, that 450 per kilo or that 550 per kilo. But yeah, coming into September, which is not great news for me because of course my team, I know my team is going, oh, can you get an air freight rate for this? Oh, can you get, can you get a quote for that? It's going to be ready on, you know, August 30th. It's going to be ready September 10th. And it's like, oh, oh no. God. So, yeah. Well, how are y'all? Okay. So it's not just air and ocean either. It's, it's inland as well. Trucking yeah. all the way yeah. to the last mile. Yeah, I mean, for sure, we've seen, um, especially into the U.S., we've had some some real delays going into the U.S. because their rail situation is yeah. really tight. And I know on the Chicago route, especially, they've sort of either not accepting new cargo at all. And you're like, for how many days? And it's like, no, no, for how many weeks are we not going to accept rail cargo? So wow. um, we had something in April that was supposed to go. Los Angeles to Dallas and it took three weeks and it's, you know, it, it's like a two or three day train ride. Like once it gets on, it's like three days and then it's there. And it was mm-hmm. three, like three and a half weeks of waiting. And then like two days and it was there in Dallas, but you're like, Oh, that's kind of a long time. But oh gosh, yeah, it just trickles down. I mean, and oh, yeah. you've seen this past yeah. week, uh, FedEx and the post office following yeah. UPS by announcing yeah. their peak season surcharges. Yeah. I mean, I just cannot imagine having to pay the rates on top of surcharges for every mode. Yeah, every every single mode has these increases and every single mode has no performance. Yeah. Right? So you're paying all this money. And I mean, I've got stuff, Kathy, that came by sea. I mean, it was ready in May and it's coming in now. My, wow. my Canadian customs broker messaged me at the end of July and was like, is your business okay? Because we have done like five clearances for you. She's like, it's July. Like it's not, you know, orchard is just, we're very seasonal, right? So July is like, and I'm like, oh, 
don't worry. I'm like, our business is great, except everything is so behind that you're going to get everything that you were supposed to get in July, like the first two weeks, of August yeah. for clearance, because it's, it's just weeks upon weeks of, of delays, even air cargo. I had two moving last week. And they do this route now, um, probably because of the the capacity issues. So they go from Asia into JFK and they truck from JFK up to Toronto or up to Montreal. Fine. Except one of them is lost in between JFK and Montreal. Like it's taken, (laughs) it was supposed to come in last Tuesday night. So August 10th evening, they're not clear where it is. My my forwarder's like, I've escalated this. And I'm like, well, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you have to find it. Um, And then the other one just came in today and same thing. It had left. You know, so I, my teams, I have them planned for about 10 days of, uh-huh. you know, getting things booked, handing things over the, the flight process, the unloading and everything delivery. Um, but even then, like it's, it's up to, you know, 12 to 14 days now, but that's what it's actually taking. Whereas it used to be planned for 10 days, but it'd take like four or five. So now it's like, oh, no, it's actually going to take two weeks. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you how, yeah. how do y'all determine like what modes i mean i'm sure you've had to go okay we're going to use air instead of ocean or or do you base it all on i'm not sure so how would you it's sort of the timing and now we you know we're in cosmetics and we do a lot of manufacturing in different countries but our customers are in the u.s canada europe and australia but we could be manufacturing cosmetics from China. Those might go over to Italy and then be filled with, say, a lipstick or an eyeshadow. And then they'll come back maybe to the U.S. or to Canada. Um, and it just, what happens is you look at what your customer wants for timing. Um, and so we don't deal with a lot of the planning. Our customer sort of deals with how their retail plan is going to look like, when, what shopping milestones they want to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we try to give them fairly buffered, realistic timelines of how long that's going to take. And then we sort of go from there. But of course, you know, there could be a manufacturing, I mean, in the best of times, there could be a manufacturing issue. There could be one of us makes a typo on the artwork and the art has to be redone. There's an inspection, somehow something happens, whatnot. That's the best of times. And then this is sort of the worst of times. So there's all of those factors. Plus, can you actually get a booking? Um, You know, how flexible is the customer on when it can be in stores? And, you know, some of the larger retailers, like it's their, it's their website, it's their store, they control it. But of course, they don't want empty shelves. Yeah. So we've had to have more frequent uh, conversations with them on the reality of this, you know, because we, we usually deliver goods DDP, mm-hmm. so right to their door. Um, and we have some customers who pick up FOB, so they pick it up at the port. But for our customers who we deliver right to them, we've had to stop kind of, um, you know, pre-inspection and say, look, this is going to be ready now. This is the best booking and sea shipping we can get. It's still a very expensive price. You know, is this going to kind of work? And the risk is if we ship it, it might not take four or five weeks. It might take seven or eight. So Mm -hmm. what does that look like in your planning? What does that look like for your in-store? Or how flexible are you at, you know, telling the customer this might be a wait list, this might have been a pre-order and it's not actually available right away. And some retailers are doing a good job of it. And some retailers are really struggling with the idea of if they don't have it in, like they don't have that wait list or pre-order concept yet that you see in a lot of smaller businesses, but just some of the larger retailers, they want to have it in-house, on hand or in warehouse to be able to get it out. So 
it's a lot more communication than it used to be. It used to be fairly, you know, you could trust what was happening. And now we're just having to really reassess at a couple of different points in production and in, you know, sort of the handover as well. But generally, we used to base it on the timing, like before the air rates were, were so expensive, mm-hmm. you know, we would say, oh, like this is getting pretty close and maybe we should look at air and what, what does that look like? And then kind of factor in, is it our fault that it's late or is it, you know, the customer just needs to accelerate the timeline? And then we could discuss like, okay, well, we're stuck because we did guarantee, you know, X, X Y, and Z to happen and it's not. So we'll take that on, um, you know, or we'll split it maybe with the manufacturer. Uh But nowadays it's like the cost is so high and it's never like, it's a great year to be a shipper in the sense that it's never your fault that you're late. Like it is a hundred percent. You cannot get a vessel. No one can get a vessel. So whose fault is like my stuff's ready to go. It wasn't me. Um, So it's a lot harder for the customer to kind of blame you and then push you to be like, well, you should airship this in. If we're like, hmm. So no what one's, percentage do you usually do air versus ocean? Just I would curiosity. say, I mean, some of them we plan. Some of them we know right yeah. off the bat. We include it in the price. Like the customer expects that it's, you know, like they come to us last minute with something and we're like, we can do this, but you're going to have to airship it and it's going to be, you know, $10,000, $15,000 mm-hmm. included. Um, but I would say we're about, I would say we're about 15 or 20% air and 80% okay. kind of ocean. Yeah, that's so, pretty comparable to a lot yeah. of, a lot like that. Yeah, I think huh. so. I think it's, you know, it is a tool. It's a great tool for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, as long as you're not stuck paying the bill unexpectedly, it's a great exactly. tool. As long as we've all planned for it, you know, like I have our product development. I'm like, yeah, I don't think you can ship to, you know, from, from uh, Ningbo to, you know, North Carolina mm-hmm. in three weeks. So... Yeah. What are we going to do with that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay, so what role is technology playing in all of this? Has it helped or? Oh, yeah, we were on hindrance. No, it's, it's definitely something we were just on the cusp of kind of moving into a different um, platform. And I'm kicking myself that I didn't kind of get it get it rolling. Because every, every tool that we're using that's digitized, it just helps because there's such the, the sheer amount of, of correspondence now that you have to have for one booking. Like we used to, it was so easy, Kathy, we would book it. The forward would be like, here's the booking, here's the vessel. You're like, okay, great. And then like, you wouldn't, you know, you'd kind of see the inspection. You'd see the hand, vaguely this handover would happen. And then you'd get the pre-alert and you're like, okay, great. And then sometimes you'd see like, oh, there's a bit of a rail delay at Vancouver. Oh, you know, there's some congestion at Rotterdam. Okay, fine. Maybe three five emails and you get to customs and you send all the paper, everybody does mm-hmm. the paperwork swap and, and then the delivery easy peasy. That was maybe 10 to 15 emails most for a project. We're seeing like 60 just to get it onto a vessel, recheck the schedules. I spent all, almost all of this morning just rechecking. And I have a sheet that, that goes to the sort of company wide that we share. And it literally, my comments are like rechecking, rechecking, oh vessel God. departed, did it depart, checking. So, I mean, it's just been, so if you have, I mean, we have a tool, it's not an Excel spreadsheet where mm-hmm. we've moved past that, um, but it, it allows for, you know, automatic reminders or automatic follow-ups and you can set it, you know, in advance. And so that even just taking some of that correspondence piece off my plate has made things a lot easier, but it also catches when 
if you're expecting it, you know, especially in Canada, we've had um, a lot of effect from forest fires and that's affected our rail um, yeah. inbound. So for containers. And so just to get that flag, like about five days before I expect it to be in customs, I get, you know, kind of an automatic notice, like, mm, this isn't in customs yet. It's like, oh yeah, where is that? And it's like, well, it's pending rail. So at least, you know, you have these kind of red flags. You don't have to keep track of everything mentally because that would be just way too much. Um, but even sharing, you know, the platforms are great for that, that it drops that correspondence. So you have your forwarder, your broker, um, and you, the shipper. And, you know, if you're arranging delivery with say a truck carrier, it's like it, it captures that all in one spot and just runs it as a project. So there's a lot, a lot of great technology out there. Like we're, we're really in sort of that golden age of it. It's just getting us all to use it. Exactly. (laughs) You know, when you work with when you work with some of the smaller ones, there's just you know to kind of go on a side side where there was this kind of um, experience about five or ten years ago when sort of platforms and tech was really getting started. And like my small, I work with a couple of forwarders. There's like five, you know, there's five people in that office. They're tiny, right? And for them to develop and build a whole platform, it was like there's no point. And so for forwarders like that, it's like they can buy into either a carrier's platform or someone, another private platform and, you know, not have to build it themselves. But like five or 10 years ago, it was a really odd space where you're like, do I just need to custom build this myself? Because I'm not clear on what's out there. Whereas now, like you just have, there's more information and there's, there's technologies that are settling. Like, you know, we've seen um, in social media, you see all these different texts that it's like, oh yeah, we're all kind of comfortable with Instagram. That one's going to stick. Snapchat, we kind of ignored it. it. Didn't happen, right? And it's the same in tech. You're seeing like, you're seeing some of the ones that came out, and it's like, oh, it's like, is is you know this tech gonna stick? And it's like, then you see the ones. It's like three to five years on that you're like, oh, a lot of people are using this one. Okay, yeah, so. yeah, definitely. I know when I was um in freight forwarding, uh, for UPS, uh, yeah, that was before yeah. the platform. So yeah, we weren't even using spreadsheets. Uh, well, I think someone was, but I was. Yeah, notepad and yeah, a lot right. of phone calls. Still, yeah, a lot still, of notes. Like, notepad. I've got people on speed dial, like, and I've got the like. Now it's like you've got to got everything, but it is mm-hmm. trying to move away from you know. Instead of putting my tasks in the notebook, it is putting the tasks on the platform, and then. Wow, that makes life a lot easier. That's yeah. for sure. Because, like I say, it thinks it thinks of some of the things for you. So then mm-hmm. you just have a prompt, and then you're like, oh right. <laughs> Oh, definitely. I can save my mental space for arguing about demerge or something. (laughs) Yeah, a whole nother. (laughs) Whole other. That's a whole other podcast, guys. (laughs) Golly, is it ever? Is it ever? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and go down that that little road there. So have you um, experienced a lot of uh, issues along those lines? Well, what we're starting to see in the last couple of weeks is that my shipper doesn't want to pick up a container, even though they've been given a shipping order because they can pick up the container, but there's no guarantee they can deliver it back, even though they've got a vessel, like a booking. Yeah. And the risk is that if you don't deliver it back, the carrier charges you demurrage, but you're like, but you don't have a, you told me you had a vessel, but now maybe you don't have a vessel. So my shippers are like, well, I can't pick up the container. And I'm like, no, but there's a container. Go and get it. Like it's been so hard to get containers. They're like, yeah, but if I pick it up, I can't get it back. I'm like, what do you mean you can? I'm like, we have the booking. Like, and they're like, well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. So I've had to kind of step in and say, fine, I'll pay for this demurrage if it happens. 
whether oh it happens or not. And so far we've been like, and you know, I'm kind of, you know, you're just kind of frantic at this point, like just get it, just get it loaded, get it back. Exactly. And it's just like, yeah, fine, fine. I'll pay for what is it going to be a thousand dollars? Fine, fine. And, um, and so, so far we haven't been burned, but I'm like, I'm just, you know, you just don't know. It'll be, I'll have a bad week maybe. And I'll get, st- I'll have a whole bunch of them come back and be like, oh, we can't hand it over. And it's $800 a day or something. So crazy. But that's the, that's where we're at now. It's like, we were all like, you're just trying to push stuff out. And then now we've got this like weird hesitation mm-hmm. from the show mm-hmm. and like, oh no, they're telling us it might be this much a day. So we can't do that. I'm like, so you can't ship the goods is what you're saying. And they're like, yeah, because of this and this and this vessel schedule. So oh my gosh, it's oh a whole God. other, it just really cropped up in the last for me, it really just cropped up in the mm-hmm. last kind of three, three weeks, two to three weeks where I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Did you hand over the goods? No, because of this. Okay. Okay. No, hand over the goods. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. What? <laughs> like, I know I've only had one cup of coffee today, but what? I didn't, I didn't <laughs> have so. Oh my gosh. So all this that's going on in international yeah. trade yeah. all the way in inland, do you think this could drive reshoring do you do you see manufacturing I mean, manufacturing coming back into the north america a little i mean a little bit because i think people have have been made aware right i think for most of us we i knew that i was sourcing stuff overseas and that most of the products are made overseas <laughs> but i live in this world my friends like they don't know they assume stuff is local and then it's not until you get a big shipping crisis like this or supply chain crisis where it's like where is our toilet paper made? Oh my goodness. And it's like, no, no, it is made in Canada. It is made in the US. We have a domestic source. For this <laughs> There'll be toilet paper. Don't worry. Uh, you know, that, that concern we saw in April, 2020. But I think for other products, it's like, wait a second, where are we getting this? And now that there is an awareness for the consumer, um, but also an under- and a bit more nuance to what goes into manufacturing. Like it's not a small you know, you can do small batches and, and, you know, you see small businesses do small orders and people have a better understanding of how much investment and how much infrastructure is needed for that to scale. Um, and, you know, everyone tried to kind of start, you know, with the tariffs being imposed, everyone tried to start moving away from China. You're like, okay, fine. I'm going to Cambodia. I'm going to Vietnam. And then you're like, well, Vietnam has like four cranes at their port. I'm not hundred percent, but like, they don't have a Shanghai port, yeah. right? They ha- it's a nice port. It does a nice amount of business, but it does not do the same amount of business that or capacity that China can do. And then you get into, we go to Cambodia and they're like, okay, yeah, we can totally do this. We have the sewers, we have the fat, we have the space, you know, we have this process, we have this machinery, fine. We get all of our raw materials, like all of our thread from China. So <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> okay. And then, you know, we do a lot of cosmetics too. And it's like, oh, we get this raw ingredient from China. So you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) So, you know, everyone's kind of, you know, I've kind of mentioned this before, but a lot of people did their supply chains just very automatically and very much a just-in-time model or methodology. And none of us really sat down and thought through we just didn't think, you know, I'm I'm like, I don't want to have to sit and think about how my supply chain works. I just want it to work. But you kind of have to assess what value you're providing to the customer. And for Orchard, it's often timing. We might not be the cheapest, 
but you know, we have a really, you know, it's timing and experience. That's why people choose us. So I have to build a supply chain that is based on experience and timing. Um, you know, so that's my focus. So that means, you know, as a team, we are looking at different places. So when we do dangerous goods, for example, we do them locally. Um, we've found, you know, we've got a local, um, American company to facilitate nail polish in the U S because shipping it from overseas, it's dangerous. It's a hassle. Um, you know, and, and it's more important for me to have that timing than it is for me to have, you know, a sort of a less expensive product. Fine. Um, but all of us have to go, you kind of have to reassess. And I think now realizing that, you know, this situation might continue or that there are actually local manufacturers in your neighborhood. Like California has a ton of, of manufacturers. We've got, you know, our nail polish there in like, where are they like Rhode Island or something, Long Island, you know, so that's, that's not far. That's right next yeah. door. Um, and we've got a couple of great, you know, you got a couple of great factories in, um, outside of Montreal for us here in Canada. Right. So it's certainly something that people can consider, but it's mostly a long-term project because Mm -hmm. even if you were to start in the next year, like most of those guys are probably already filled to capacity and my orders are more important. So don't try to get in there right now. Like, well, look, I found them first, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so come back later, build your own factory. Um, yeah. but no, and you're seeing, but you're seeing that you know, you're seeing China had done. I talk about this, I started working with China like right out of you know, this was my first job, and I started in product development and global sourcing in like 2004, 2005. Already, China had made all of these investments, and if they designed themselves, they they worked very hard to be the go-to, yeah. right? And other places just kind of were doing what they were doing or they were focused on much larger manufacturing. Like here in North America, of course, you have the auto pack, right? So you see a mm-hmm. lot of um, investment in large manufacturing. So machinery, especially in Canada, we do a ton of, we build airplanes, we build subways, mm-hmm. we build, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, who's making lipsticks? Mm-hmm. Well, over there, they designed their whole thing to make lipsticks. They designed their whole thing to facilitate that business, their ports are designed that way. And so it's nice to see now, I don't know, 20 or 30 years later that North America is kind of like, oh yeah, maybe we should invest in highways and rail and, you know, high speed. Yeah. and high speed. I don't know, whatever's going to come next, but it's like, mm-hmm. you see when countries are mindful about these things, then, you know, things yeah. will change, but it makes it easier for us to find, you know, to find sources and manufacturers and raw materials when, there is that infrastructure investment. Not many yeah. private companies can do that scale on their own. So, no. yeah. Yep, you're totally right. Yeah. yeah. So, did you bring your crystal ball with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whip it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Just dust it off. So, this time next year, yeah. what's trade going to look like? What's the ocean freight market going to look like? Gosh. That's a tough question. So much of it is depending on moving into a post-pandemic state because so much of this extra volume um, is we have a captive audience at home. Yeah. You know, we have, we have suppliers or sorry, we have customers who are ordering stuff that it's like, wow, those facial rollers really took off. And it's like, they've just, or just, constant every two weeks we're like oh we need more facial rollers you're like, really? mm-hmm. okay but everybody's at home 
to do their own facial roller because they couldn't go to a spa or they're not comfortable yet going to a spa or, you know, whatever is, or it's just something that they've incorporated into their daily routine anyways. And it's going to stick whether they go to the spa or not. Um, but so it's, it's, you know, and even you, you kind of see a lot of economists in our sphere and, and they're saying that same thing. Like once, what is this going to shift from this at home captive audience to when people go out to do experiences, will there be a slowdown once people are out of the house and traveling again? Because really, even at this point, we're still not traveling to the same degree that, that we were before. So that's, right. that's sort of my, my hesitation is, is when, when are we going to start to see post pandemic? And I think that's when we'll start to see the shift. And unfortunately we're stuck with these capacity issues and, you know, yeah. pricing and performance, you know, performance isn't even a thing anymore. It's just, I hope it gets there at some point yeah. someday, yeah. <laughs> even though I paid like almost 30,000 for it. Like maybe it'll arrive. I don't know. I know um, some yeah. of the um, transcript earnings transcripts I'm reading from mm-hmm. various retailers. Yeah. They're saying, I mean, they're expecting this to last until at least first half of next year. Oh, so we're looking least, at yeah. another year. Oh yeah. 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 Well, because people expected, people expected the, this, people expected us to be in post pandemic by fourth quarter 2021 and that Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year in 2022, so January, February 2022 would be the reset. It reset everything because we, you know, you have that big pause in production and everything. So they'll have two weeks to reset all the containers and all the boxes and all the airplanes and everything gets reset. And then magically for Q2 22, it's back to, and you're like, um, I don't know if that's going to work that way. I hope well, it does. I mean, it make my life easier, but. Well, yeah, definitely. see it, you know, with, with everything that's happening now, you're like, I just, I can't see it. I can't see it. We're seeing, like I say, we're seeing these resurgences of, you know, that Delta variant. It's just really creates a whole other and layer. There's another stuff. one that's um, Lambda, 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 I think, and then I think I found I don't know. in California. Oh, like I can't learn that much of the Greek alphabet. That's I can't either. <laughs> like, like, no, oh, just no. stop with D, please. But yeah, I, I really think all of us thought, I mean, well, none of us have lived, most, most of us exactly. haven't really lived with a pandemic before. It's sort of a surprise, um, you know, on the life bingo card. So, yeah. yeah. You know. But well, I think that's I guess, I the, guess state of, the state of it. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's the best thing. Is yeah. Stay tuned. And, yeah. and, and I mean, we to... reassess, like we've got to reassess our pricing with our customers, the customer, yeah. you know, our, our retailers, retailers are going to have to reassess their pricing and costs. And maybe some of them are going to have to shift their models. Like, you know, if you're, if you're so worried about empty store shelves, like there's got to be a way for you to check with a small business owner and try to get some of their stuff in, right? Like we haven't seen, we've seen some levels of collaboration, sharing boxes, sharing mm-hmm. equipment, sharing manufacturing. What we haven't seen is, is anyone coming into the space and really trying to shake it up by like, okay, I have empty shelves. How can I get something in? And I think it's hard, you know, for bigger retailers like a Walmart or a Home Depot, because it's like, no, no, we have to make that yeah. available across all stores. But are there maybe smaller stores or maybe regionally where you're like, oh, I know that we have this great small business, you know, down the street and, you know, I don't know, Chicago, maybe they can, maybe we can just fill the stores with Mm -hmm. their stuff because 
a you partnership know, with someone like an Etsy. Yeah. Yeah. Part of get do. I did a little Etsy pop-up. I attended one when I was in Boston a couple of years ago and it was like, yeah, they just got a space, brought in all the things, but a retailer has the space. What a neat yeah. idea. Well, look yeah. At that. yeah. Well, we shall see. We shall we'll see. see. <laughs> <laughs> Audrey, I think our time is about up, but I want to thank you so much. This has been great. I have really enjoyed it and I've learned an awful lot <laughs> about this so if folks want to um, follow you oh, sure. on Twitter you can follow me on Twitter at Trey Audrey so T-R-E-S Audrey A-U-D-R-E-Y um, so yeah, sometimes I drop in if I'm, you know, have a minute and I'm just catching up on my coffee, yeah. I'll drop in what's the news of the day that I've gotten from my forwarders or from the carriers right now it's, it's not stuff. a lot of great news but you know i think for some people it gives them a good idea of the pricing or of what the situation is um, so yeah i try to just share what i'm doing in my day which you know for me it's i enjoy it it's i love my job so yeah and I then, can you know, i'm over on linkedin too so uh-huh. if you want to connect there i'm on, on linkedin so. awesome well yeah. thank you again And uh, for everyone out there, appreciate you uh, listening to um, Logistics with Air Cargo World. Be sure to uh, check out the website at aircargoworld.com. Again, I have a weekly column that usually comes out on Fridays or Mondays, depending. And, um, And with that, have a great day. Thanks.